Welcome to Your Story Matters podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Elizabeth, and whether this is your first time or you are a returning listener, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time and listening ear each episode as I dive into the power of storytelling, learning that we are the main characters in our own stories, and the freedom that can come from breaking free of the false narrative that has been playing in our minds. With how noisy the world has become, it means so much to me that you have chosen this podcast to listen to, to be encouraged by, to have a laugh or two, to think more deeply, and to ultimately know that your story matters. Today on the show is my new friend and wonderful guest, Renee Bethel. Renee is a certified Enneagram coach and a professional Christian life coach who is passionate about nurturing growth in fellow Christian women. She specializes in helping women in the second half of life foster deeper connections and relationships with God, themselves, and with family and friends. Renee is a wife, mom, and grandmother who loves to learn and loves sharing resources to help others. She loves deep conversations and personal growth opportunities. As an Enneagram 5, one of Renee's strengths is objectivity. This was such a sweet conversation, and she is such a dear woman. I hope you will enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So here is my conversation with Renee. Renee, welcome to your Story Matters podcast, my first type five. I am thrilled to have you. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I would love to start by asking, what is your story? My story begins with uh, basically being involved in some really challenging years for my family. My husband was really sick. And, um, you know, we weren't sure what was going on with him. We later realized that he had Lyme disease. Mm. And, um, you know, so there were some points there where we really weren't sure. You know, we literally thought there were some times where we literally thought that, you know, he was going to die. And so that was really traumatic. And there were several years where, you know, I was just in caregiver mode, several instances where we had to rush to the hospital and very intense and stressful. And um, when we got him kind of back on track, back at work and where he was doing well, then our middle daughter had a really bad accident uh, going back to college. And, um, that was about four years where thought we kept thinking, okay, she's going back to college and, you know, we had to keep postponing when she would start. And that ended up being about four years where she wasn't driving just her activities for daily living for the first several years were, um, she needed help with a lot of things, you know, dressing, showering, those kind of things. We did a lot of occupational therapy, physical therapy, trauma counseling, horse therapy, a lot of different things. So all that to say is for probably about six years or so, I was really in a caregiver mode. And uh, what really became uh, a light bulb moment for me was one evening I was pulling leftovers out of the fridge for my daughters. I have three daughters and um they were all at home at the time and pulling I was pulling out leftovers asking okay who wants this you know whatever the food was who wants this 
who wants this? And then one of my daughters said, well, mom, what do you want? And then just hearing myself say this was, I think, just a wake up call for me. I responded, well, I'll just, you guys tell me what you want. I'll just have what's left over. And so it just really was a wake up call for me that I wasn't really paying attention to what was my favorite leftover there. What would I like to eat? Because I was just basically saying my needs did not matter. And so it's, you know, whatever you guys want. I was in survival mode, just caring for everyone around me, making sure they were okay, making sure if they were peaceful and if I could just get everything to be peaceful, then I would be okay. Yeah. And I was in fix it, fix it mode. <laughs> and so that was just really a wake up call. And I felt like after that, I felt like God just started showing me that this is just something that I needed to cover. You know, what is my favorite color? What is my favorite food? And I know these all sound so simple and maybe kind of even silly, but I just felt like that was really where I was at. And, and through that, as I started really being intentional to start investigating, who am I? What do I like? What's my style? Even, I was even doing everything, you know, what, what's my style of clothing? <laughs> you yeah. know, what, what makeup looks good on me? You know, all of these things, even the outside things and the inside things. And as I was starting to do all of that, then God was putting things in front of me. So I started doing personality tests. So I did the love languages, the Myers-Briggs and, and I did the Enneagram. And so when I first did the Enneagram, I kind of was like, that's not me. That's, that's not me. Yeah. And, uh, and I think a lot of people probably respond that way the first time they get their result. And then now the more I have done my own work and then I am like, that is so me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so, that's right. uh, so it's just been a fun journey and, and it's so awesome the way God just gives us, you know, a little bit at a time just to bring us along and grow us in who we are. And then too, as we learn who we are, then we also learn more about who he is. And um, it's just a beautiful picture of growing emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. So the type five didn't settle with you very well. So that was probably an indication that that was your type. What was the feeling of once those results came in and doing a little bit more digging? How did you how did you feel? All of a sudden, then I'm, I was like, I feel so seen. Mm. Wow, this explains so much. And then as I started connecting the pieces, you know, because I think a lot of times we maybe notice things don't sit right with us as we're going through various things. And even for example, the whole time, like when my daughter was recovering, we would have maybe someone, a physical therapist or someone come to our house. Uh, or someone that she needed to see and they would come to our house and they would arrive before they were supposed to be there. They would arrive early and I would be so frustrated to be mm. just outdone. Like, how dare they? You know, I'm not ready for that. I'm not dressed. I'm not whatever. And now I now know that that was totally a vibe thing because like you're invading my space. I am not ready for you yet. And it's just really interesting. Uh, the more I study about the Enneagram and just self-awareness and personal growth, then I have just made the connections that, oh, that explains why I re reacted that way. 
it's because of how I'm wired, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's been so fun just to, to realize that, oh, that makes sense now. So it's given me language and makes me feel not so like I have a problem or I'm just, I must really have a problem when no one else reacts like this. This is, you know, I really needed to get, to get it together, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because now I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So do you have a favorite leftovers? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a great question. I love it. Well, one of the things that I remember pulling out of the fridge on that particular night, it's, it's just like a freeze frame moment. It's just stuck with me is white chicken chili. And I do love that. And so, uh, but I think I gave it up that night. I love that. Yeah, it's fall. So we're all about, we're all about the chili. (laughs) Yes, that's a perfect fall meal. (laughs) I absolutely love it. But would you mind telling us in your own words, what the fear, the longing, the desire and the weakness look like for you on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly, so that we can kind of get a glimpse into um, living as your type. A lot of times when people talk about the Enneagram five and the five's core fear, a lot of people say, oh, you have the fear of being annihilated. And that's never, that always seems so harsh to me. And so that's never resonated with me. I think really what I, how I would describe my fear is the fear of being invaded. And I think a lot of my invasion has to do with your encroaching upon my time. Like I wasn't ready for that. Even I find if I need to be somewhere at a certain time, like, and that's another thing too, I find, and this has given me language to understand this too, for getting to work on time or getting to appointments on time. Usually I'm working on something that I'm passionate about or for my coaching business or things like that. And so then I'm frustrated because I'm like, oh, you're taking my time. I have to go to this job. This job. How dare you? You know. <laughs> and, and so it's just been really interesting as I've made these connections, then I understand why I'm frustrated and then I can respond in a healthier way and really work on trying to get places on time and, and basically just identify this is what's coming up for me with this whole fear of being invaded. So that kind of helps me to um, course correct or, or do what I need to do to, to get where I need to be on time. So yeah, that would be how I would describe my core fear. And my core desire is I would agree, as most people say, to at birth five, to be capable and competent. So that's definitely a big thing for me. I love to learn and definitely I always want to be prepared for if I'm teaching something or meeting with a client or whatever it happens to be. Definitely want to show up with the posture of being prepared and uh, competent, being able to speak about whatever it is that I need to address. So my core weakness, a lot of people use the word avarice, that that's the core weakness for a five. Again, I feel like that's a word that a lot of people probably don't understand what that means. It's a word we don't hear a lot. So I think for me, my core weakness is that I would describe it as withholding. 
some people may call it stingy, but again, to me, that sounds so harsh. Right. And so I would say definitely uh, withholding. Oh, you know, maybe I don't need, I, I can't spend my time there because I need to save some energy for whatever it is that I need to do. So maybe I would withhold time from doing one thing so that I can have the inner energy and attention to be able to do what I need to do. And then my core longing uh, as a five is your needs are not a problem. And so originally I would be, it was hard for me. I was like, how, how does that even fit for me? You know, what does that even mean? And so now it really resonates with me because, you know, as you heard in my story, I was totally just ignoring my own needs to just make sure everyone was okay and had their needs met. Now I can see that really resonates with me that I need to remind myself. In fact, I've even gotten to where I even speak that out loud. Mm. My needs are not a problem. This is okay. It's okay that I need to rest. It's okay that I need to take a break. It's okay. Whatever it happens to be, I've just really started speaking that out loud. And that has been so comforting to me. That's wonderful. When we talk about fives, we always talk about fives in relation to others where it's the concept of time. I think fives are the most time conscious and time sensitive of all of the types. And I, we've heard Beth McCord say that most types wake up at, you know, 90 to 100 percent. And then they have that like full battery. And then kind of like our phones, you know, the more we use the more we kind of head to zero and fives kind of, she says they kind of start at maybe like 20, 25%. And that might be generous depending on what five we were talking to, <laughs> but does that feel true in the sense of, I only have so much time and energy and attention to do the things I need to do to order to like, to space them out during the day. Does that feel true for you? Oh, wow. That's really good. So I would say for me, I feel like, I don't know that I've ever thought about the fact that, oh, when I wake up, I'm at only, only at 25%, because to me that already feel that already feels like I'm depleted. Mm. And so I don't necessarily feel like I wake up and feel depleted, but I do feel like the mornings are my best time. And that's why I think I'm frustrated when I go to my part-time job is because, you know, my best hours are in the morning and you're yeah. taking them, you know, right. <laughs> of course how dare you? you are, you are, I know, how dare you? Of course you are generously giving me a check and I am very thankful for that. Right. You know, I'm very appreciative of that, but you know, there's a part of me inside that is like, oh, these are my best hours. And I have to say that Sometimes when I get to a certain part of the day, if I've had a lot of interaction with uh, a lot of people during the day at a certain time, I'm like, is it bedtime yet? I mm. just need to go to bed. Yep. You know, I'm done yep. and I can't do anything. I feel like I can't do anything productive. It may be that I only sit on, t on the, on the couch and just really self-soothe or just veg out and just watch a movie or something because I'm done. I relate so hard to that. Um, <laughs> especially being around a lot of people, whether it is at a job, grocery shopping, just in public, it's almost as if there is that weird conservation of energy to be like, okay, I have to go to this party or the store, not so much. I get in and I get out. But if it's a party, for instance, you know, you're around people, you know, maybe people you don't. And just the amount of exhaustion, because I want to say that 
fives are in the thinking triad. So their brains are always going. And so it is one of those things where fives are so consciously aware of so many things that it is all of that mental energy getting used that then they're exhausted. So I think fives are have that gift and maybe the curse of understanding energy, understanding time and knowing they're just, I think, maybe a little bit more aware of how energy is being used. Would you say that? Oh, oh, definitely. I can totally agree with that. And I love how you just uh, put that together. That is such a great description. Yeah, I, I, I'm a four wing five. And so I feel it. I do feel <laughs> I, I agree with you. It's not so much that I have a 100. But there are certain days, maybe depending on how the morning goes, how the afternoon goes, if there's something in the evening, or even if it is like Christmas or Thanksgiving is coming or has already happened or, or whatever. And it's like, I know that I only have so much to give, even though it happens at the same time every single year, I know that I have a limited capacity for X, Y, and Z. Or if I don't, and I just go into a party with all the energy I want, then I'm doubly exhausted because I think I set myself up a little bit. <laughs> I'm having to like reel that in a little bit. Um, I love that. So what would you say is your favorite thing about being a five? Well, something that I have just really seen highlighted recently is the ability just to see, and I I think this is particularly true around words for me, when I interact with someone, whether it's going to a, you know, a doctor's appointment or just some type of appointment, just the way I'm greeted, I pick up on that. And I pick up, oh, you did not even make a connection with me. And I had this happen recently. That's why it's so fresh. Is It's like you just missed me. You didn't mm-hmm. make a connection with me as you brought me to the back. Mm-hmm. So then I try to think about, okay, how does that make me feel? And then I start thinking about the other person. Okay, what is going on with them that, you know, what is their personality type that they are just pushing past me to get the thing done. So I would say that the thing that I love is just the ability to have this, to observe how people, other people are. It's really interesting. And so I I wouldn't say that I am keenly observant for maybe what people are wearing or something like that. But I think for me, it's definitely centers around the words they use and the things they say. Yeah. How many types would go into the doctor's office and not even think about that? They would just go and, and do. So that's interesting. I actually love that example of if all the types were in a doctor's office, dentist's office, whatever. Oh, that's great. We have something there, right? We do. <laughs> Yes. We can start something That's there. That's a great idea. That's really good. Yes, we should collaborate we should. on that. We will, we will talk after <laughs> this. I love that. Um, so that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful um, strength and, and gift to be so in tune with words and emotions and kind of where people are coming from. So let's flip the script. What is a challenge or two of being a five? Well, I think sometimes with that, you can internalize that against yourself. Mm. Like, what was wrong with me? In fact, to be truthful here, my first reaction to that was I wanted I wanted to sit in the chair and cry mm. because I just felt unseen. And of course, you know, I, I had to get my thoughts in a different place so that I did not react like that, turned my thoughts to the other person and not myself. 
I would say for me, sometimes I can just really get caught up in the thinking, thinking through it. And then, and then sometimes you think, why do I even, why did I spend so much time thinking about that? What does it even matter? You know, I relate to that as well. You know, how much, how much time are we giving to the things that at the end of the day don't matter? But even I sometimes go at the end of my life, how much time have I thought in these different categories? But I've heard other people say, you know, if there has been an interaction and there is an emotion that is brought up, you know, emotions tell us things. They're not supposed to drive the car, but they can sit in the passenger seat and kind of help guide us down the road. Yeah. So for fours in the feeling triad, we'll feel it and we'll think it. But fives will think, think, think and analyze and analyze and analyze. And no wonder we're all exhausted because we're just we're having brain power. Go, 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 go. It is so good. So good. What? would you say when it comes to how other types interact with fives, what do you need to hear from us? I have two good friends that are fives and we don't see each other all the time, but when we do, we definitely, you know, make up for the the space and the distance because we don't live near each other like we used to. But what can we say to fives to make them feel loved, to make them feel safe, to make them feel competent? If it is just a passing word or phrase, or if it is a conversation, what what makes you feel loved? Mm, that is great. That's a great question. I sometimes feel like I want to be, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking through something. And if I'm making a social media post or reaching out to a group of people about a particular thing. And I feel like I've spent a lot of time and energy thinking through it. And I feel like it, I'm coming at it from a unique perspective, from a maybe a deeper perspective. And then I guess for me, it would be really great if someone could see, wow, you really put a lot of thought on that, or that's an interesting angle. That's an interesting perspective. And I feel like, you know, maybe I'm, uh, expecting too much because maybe I'm really what I'm expecting is someone to, like myself who you know does the same thing to see it and appreciate it and call it out whenever you know I need to realize that for fives that's a gift for, that fives offer to the world and so I'm expecting that and so that's really I guess hard to receive but that's a really great question I have not thought about that in depth a lot but I guess I would say anything just kind of going into my four wing, just anything that makes me unique and different, you know, I love to be, uh, have something that's different out there that I'm putting out into the world or, you know, as I said, a unique perspective that makes me feel so cared for and, and, you know, something I experienced recently too with my uh, children, adult children is um, they helped me do some things for me personally and around our house. And I remember after they left, I felt so cared for and so loved. So I think just, um, you know, having some time and attention because the whole core longing, you know, your needs are not a problem. I see you maybe need help with this. And so in a physical way, they're helping me meet a need. And so that really speaks to my heart. That's so good. When it comes to needs and needs not being a problem, is help welcomed 
when they might come over and clean your house, for example, or Mm. if you need to rest, maybe someone cooks dinner. Does that feel like an invasion or when it's most wanted, does it feel good? Mm, That is really something that is hard for me sometimes. And I've even had my daughter and son-in-law say, let us help you because a lot of times they will make a suggestion or offer to help. And I, and I will immediately say, oh, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. It's okay. I know you're busy. I know you're whatever. And uh, basically dismissing my needs, that just comes so natural. Sometimes it's really hard to remind myself that, hey, it's okay. Accept the help. So yeah, it is Mm. hard to accept the help. And I have been thinking simultaneously to our type two friends who are very others focused and they're doing it for, they're wanting that love and attention back. And in a similar thread for any unique idea or perspective or work that you're doing, whether, you know, mentally or you're actually, you know, physically doing it um, to see it, to call it out and to appreciate it. I'm seeing a lot more similarities than I think I ever have before just listening to your wonderful story. And yeah, it's, if you see it, say something. I think so many times I go through life and I see something and like, yeah, I really appreciate that. But even just saying the words, it doesn't, like, I think the thought immediately, but it doesn't, it doesn't come through my vocal cords as fast as it needs to. And so that's a good challenge for me with my five friends and and others just to if you see it really say something because words are powerful and the tone is you know needed when it's super kind and I want to quickly go back to the five love languages what is yours actually uh, it's been a while since I've looked at that but going from memory I think my top love language is words of affirmation. Yeah. And what's interesting is they say that a lot of times what you like to receive is what you give. I find that if I notice something with my kids or my grandchildren, I am really try. I try to be intentional to speak it out. And I guess that's because that's so powerful to me. Yeah. That's so true. That is very true. Yeah. What we, what we want to receive, we give out. That is so, so good. So your business, I love it so much. Talk about that for a little bit. You are wanting to help women in their second stage of life. Why is that so important to you? First of all, I feel like just as Christian women, I feel like a lot of times we don't realize what we have as a beloved child of God, as a daughter of the King, we just exist and we don't have this pow- any power behind the things that we do. And so I feel like, especially in the second season of life, it's almost like we have a second chance to, we've been busy with our families and doing all the things and just really multitasking nonstop. And now we have a season where we don't have maybe as many things that we're doing all the time. So we have a little more space And a lot of times that's when we start asking ourselves, you know, well, what is my purpose? Now that I don't have any things, any have tos, you know, I don't have all these have tos. So how do I spend my time? What makes me excited to get up in the morning? And so I really feel like if we could ignite a passion to women in the second season of life to really explore, you know, themselves, and it always starts with them ourselves 
you know, we have to start there, then I feel like we can be so equipped to make such an impact and such a difference in our circle of influence, you know, whether that's our adult children, our grandchildren, you know, there's still so much to share and so much good to impart to the next generation. That is so good. And it is so interesting how, you know, as soon as the kids turn 18 or they go off to college and start their own lives with their families, there is almost that, what do I do now? And I'm saying that I'm not, I'm not there at all, but um, having a mom that took me to college and, and seeing me as I, you know, got married. And it's like, there's so much of women's lives that if they are in a mother role, really, really giving a lot. And so I think it is absolutely fascinating. And there needs to be more of this, that your life is not over when your kids grow up. There's still so much more for you to do. Um, and I think what a great encouragement that you are here in the world, making people feel seen, um, women especially, so that they can have a better, if not greater, second half of life because there's so much more to do. I absolutely love it. Mm, yeah, love it. it's exciting. So how does it feel being a coach with time and energy? Like, is there a better sense of directing energy towards something if it's something that you want to spend the time doing? Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like that's like energy gainers versus drainers. Yeah, that's good. Because if you are passionate about it, then that's totally going to give you energy and you're going going to be excited to do it, those kind of things. So yeah, and that's a whole thing right there too. Just as a Enneagram life coach, just interacting with clients and that kind of thing, hearing their stories, then that's actually a question that I addressed myself as I was interviewing a mentor coach to talk about this as a five, just hearing those stories and receiving that into yourself, your whole body, then I was really having a conversation with her, like, how do you process that? How do you release that? Because, and what I think was an interesting observation on her part was that uh, she noted that she knew I was an Enneagram five. And she was also an Enneagram 5, and she noted that it was interesting that I would even be questioning this, like, how do we release this? And, she's, and she noted that that is such an Enneagram 5 type of question, <laughs> because I'm realizing that, hey, that's going to expend some energy, that I'm giving a lot here, and how do I care for myself? so that I'm not burnt out, so that I can continue serving my clients. So yeah, I'm excited to continue exploring that and put some systems in place for myself to care for myself as an Enneagram 5 coach. So what does help you relax to take a break to rest? What have you found that works for you so far? Okay, yeah, that's a good question. So what I find is so soothing and so peaceful is just to have quiet of course that's a huge thing that's a really a core need for me is quiet so just to have some space to be quiet to not be interacted with to kind of be alone and just be able to be in my thoughts that is one way that I recharge um, another way is just to sit outside in nature and read my Bible, read a good book, those kind of things. That's refreshing and helps me recharge. And uh, journaling is another way that I feel like I can just get things out where I'm not just holding it in my body 
And so that is very refreshing also. I love it. Not only are those five things, those are four things and every type things. I love it so much. <laughs> As we wrap up here, you mentioned going outside, sitting in nature, reading a book. What do you like to read? Well, you know, as a five, I love to read things that are helpful, that will help me in my coaching. Uh, So I like to read books where I can learn things. I'm usually looking for a book that I can use to learn something that I can maybe incorporate into a coaching program, a group coaching program, or just educating people through social media posts, those kinds of things. I love reading anything to do about growing spiritually. Um, I love things. I love the whole emotional piece. I love that part of our whole body, uh, the holistic approach to who we are, how God created us. And of course, I love reading anything about the Enneagrams. I guess educational things would be, I guess, for lack of a better topic, you know, that's kind of the things that I typically read. And I find if I read something, um, and I don't want to say this to dismiss this because this is a great reading but anything that's just kind of like a story I look at it as fluff not that it not okay I don't want that to be taken the wrong way but just for me it's kind of fluff and I tend to like just read through it really quickly like Mm. let me get to the end of the story let me hear the story kind of thing if it's a story about someone that's just really a fast read kind of thing So I kind of look at that just, it's almost like, I guess, vegging out in front of a movie. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my books are going to be filled with fiction and deep stories and yours are (laughs) going to be more on the self-help. How do reading something that you can later apply to help? I think that's great. Yeah. That's great. Renee, is there anything that we didn't say that you would like to? One thing that I would love to share is just one thing that I have found as a type five that is so helpful to me is especially when I'm out interacting with people that is a helpful tool for me is using a breath prayer Mm -hmm. and um, where you breathe in and I love this breath prayer and I actually uh, got this from a book this is I didn't make this up but Uh, It's a helpful tool for me. And so as a five, I breathe in made in God's image. And then I breathe out, I can show up. Mm, That's good. And so that just helps me realize that, hey, even though I feel like I'm getting a little depleted, I'm not sure if I can, how much longer I can last here. If I really need to push through and show up for someone, then just doing that breath prayer helps me just to be able to show up for who I need to show up for. That is so, so good. I love that. I'm going to steal that and use it in my life because (laughs) that is good. Renee, thank you so much for being here today. I have learned a lot about fives and I appreciate your time and energy into this conversation. And I think both of us are going to go eat dinner and take naps after this as a way to recharge. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much and all you do. And it has been a real joy and pleasure to be here. So thank you. Thank you for listening. In addition to these podcasts, I have a newsletter that comes out every other Wednesday. Wednesdays where there are podcasts, no newsletter. Wednesdays where there are newsletters, no podcast. It is filled with more stories from my life, ones that I don't always share here, thoughts about the Enneagram, and more. So I invite you to head on over to my website, 
www.michaelaelizabeth.com to sign up today. There you'll find all the info you need about Enneagram coaching and how to work with me, this podcast, and my latest creative passion project, Vintage Handmade Cards. And while you're on the World Wide Web, it would mean so much to me if you would follow Your Story Matters podcast wherever you listen, rate it, and review it for others to see so they can begin their journey in discovering their story matters. Until the next episode.